Whether it's running, hiking, biking, golfing, or even working, Curex insoles can help your patients live healthy and active lifestyles. Using the latest medical and biomechanics research, Curex insoles are engineered for unequaled comfort, performance, and injury prevention. With its patented dynamic arch technology that enables the ideal ratio of flexibility and rigidity, Curex insoles properly support the foot and its natural movement for ideal knee and hip alignment. And because no two patients are alike, Curex offers a full line of highly customised insoles available in high, medium and low arch profiles. Learn more about the science behind Curex and sign up for a free sample at medical.curex.us. That's medical.currex.us. Hello and welcome to JOSPT Insights, the podcast that aims to help you translate quality research to quality practice. I'm Claire Ardern, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Orthopaedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It's great to have you listening today. Welcome to JOSPT Insights Sports Corner Series, where we interview expert therapists who are not only highly skilled musculoskeletal clinicians, but also extremely well-versed in the demands of specific sports, helping you integrate their expertise into your rehabilitation. Today, Dr. Tim Stone is going to educate us on how to optimize our rehabilitation for lacrosse athletes. Dr. Tim Stone is a sports physical therapist and currently works at True Sports in Maryland. Tim grew up in Perth, Western Australia, where he began his PT education at Curtin University before moving to the U.S. to play lacrosse at Salisbury University and completing his doctorate in physical therapy at the University of Maryland in Baltimore. Tim has a particular interest in managing ACL reconstruction and lacrosse-specific injuries and has previous experience as the medical director and on-site PT for the Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse League. This summer, Tim will also represent his home country of Australia in lacrosse at the World Games held in Alabama. My name is Dan Chapman. I'm a U.S.-based physical therapist and owner of Chapman PT in Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm Chelsea Kuman, a physical therapist and athletic trainer at Stanford University Athletics. Tim, thank you so much for joining us on JOSPT Insights. I am very excited to learn how to better rehab these lacrosse athletes. Thanks for having me. We are so excited to delve into the world of boys and men's lacrosse. So we're going to dig into some of the demands of the sport, some resulting common injuries from those demands, and then any just hot topics in the sport right now to share with the world of rehab clinicians. And then Tim's going to go ahead and share his expertise on just some key things to keep in mind when we're rehabbing these athletes. So we're going to get a really good comprehensive view of lacrosse so we can best train or best rehab these athletes. So Tim, can you just go into first, what are the demands of the sport probably important to just start with the different positions on the field so 10 players on the field on each team so you're gonna have three attackers three midfielders three defensemen and then one goalie so we start rolling through with the attackers so you have your strict attackmen those players are going to have great change of direction really high levels of skill um, and then they also need to absorb a lot of contact from the defensive players so these players get beat up the next most offensive player would be an offensive midfielder. Really good change of direction here, but probably a differentiator between them and a strict attackman is that these players have probably a better like 20-yard, 30-yard straight line sprint. That's for a bigger like downhill dodge. Now, there's obviously a lot of like differences in, you know, your, your big heavier midfielders versus like your short 
choppy midfielders. Then you have a couple of specialty positions through the midfield. You have a short stick defensive midfielder. So I liken this to like your third line in hockey or your grinder line. These guys get dodged on majority of the time. So it's high contact, high volume of running, and then lower skill. So most of their job is to stop the offensive players, clear and transition the ball. Um, and then if they don't have an opportunity to kind of like score in the first 10 seconds of passing the ball over the line, they'll throw the ball to the attack players and then basically run on off the field. And then you have your face-off player. So they kick the game off to start with. These guys look like wrestlers. They have really quick, fast reaction speed and, and um, really good, strong wrist strength. But basically, like, again, it kind of looks like a puck drop. So they're going to battle it out in the middle. Someone's going to try to clamp the ball and then spit it out to one of their players um, in the back of this. And so there's, there's a lot of, like, pushing and driving the legs. So they're high strength. Again, like, not a whole lot of scoring and stick skill involved in, in this position but they repeat the same motion again and again. So you have guaranteed four face-offs for a game and then one every goal that occurs. So you can sometimes have like 20 to 30 face-offs in the game. So these guys do a lot during, during the course of the game. Uh, your last specialty midfielder position is your long stick midfielder. So this is a defensive midfielder that has a six-foot lacrosse stick. So they play high speed. They chase players down a lot. They throw a lot, typically throw a lot of checks um, and they clear and sometimes are on the offensive end of the transition as well. So they're kind of similar to a short stick defensive midfielder in terms of the distance that they would cover um, and the speed that they, they would cover as well right there. But they're still on the defensive side of the midfield. And then moving into strict defenders, these players stay down their end. Typically, they are allowed to cross over into the other side of the field, but this is your biggest players typically on the field. So this is your six foot, 200 pound plus, strong legs, big bench press, good change of direction to keep up with the, uh, the attackers. Um, but really like their job is to kind of be like the enforcer and to dictate to the attackers how to play. And then lastly, you have your goalie. So these guys come in all shapes and sizes. You get some really like short, quick, agile, speedy goalies that kind of play out of the goal a little bit more. And then you have your your bigger goalies that take up a little bit more space in the goal too. So they have to have really quick reaction time, read the ball out of the stick, but they do not need to participate in sprints at practice. They can kind of sit there. But they are absolutely <laughs> insane, correct? They're wearing like no padding, taking lacrosse ball shots constantly. Yeah, definitely <laughs> necessary um, and very, very important and integral part of the team. Duly noted. That's good. That's actually important for rehab. So very mentally tough. In terms of sprint distance, the midfielders are going to have the greatest amount compared to the attackers and defenders. And the defenders are a little less than attackers, but obviously they're sort of matched up on each other. So they're doing pretty similar distances in terms of like the sprint distances. In terms of like what makes you successful as a lacrosse player, and basically like the biggest differences in like KPIs that the starters had versus non-starters was that the starters had greater speed, they had greater explosive power and better agility scores. And so like if you're looking at the three biggest pieces of, of being a good lacrosse athlete, I think those are kind of like the things that that we should look to in terms of training or rehabbing and, and trying to get these players back to like what they need to do. 
Tim, that breakdown, that position by position breakdown was absolutely great. I hope that when people are listening to this, they take stock of that. But also remember to next time a lacrosse athlete, and really this should go for for any athlete that you're treating, make sure that you, you go beyond just the sport that they're playing. Make sure you really delve into the position and the demands of that position. If it's a lacrosse player, come on back to this episode and make sure you, you kind of square up your rehab to what the demands of that position really are. And so now that we've covered the the demands of the sport on each position, Tim, as someone who treats and rehabs a lot of lacrosse athletes, what are the most common injuries that you're seeing in this patient population? Yeah, so this is, you know, a typical cutting field sport. So you're going to see all the things that you typically see in, you know, soccer player, football player, field hockey player, rugby player, anything that, you know, require is like an evasion type cutting sport that's played on on turf. Uh, pretty free flowing. So I think from some of the studies that I looked at, knee injuries were sort of ranked the, the highest there in incidents. Then thigh injuries, ankle injuries, and concussions were kind of a close fourth. The incidence of what we call like quote unquote lax back, which is basically like a pause fracture or a, a spondylolysis or a spondylolisthesis. And we're seeing that a ton kind of running rampant in the lacrosse world right now, especially in that 15-year-old high school, elite high school lacrosse player. So why, yeah, why is that happening? Why, how that is not one of those classic, like the gymnasts getting this or like the linemen getting this. Why is this happening to lacrosse players? It isn't a game that's sort of, that's showing, you know, the same extension, rotation, side bending, repetition that gymnastics does in terms of like a performance perspective. But what is happening is the sport has gotten to a point where it's so competitive that now, you know, these kids are taking a bucket of 50 balls out to a field and just emptying the bucket over and over and over again, three to five times a week on top of practice. And that repetition of of shooting and really like repetition of practices is kind of what's happening, happening here. And so connecting it to like baseball and pitching in terms of can we develop some sort of pitch count or can we develop some kind of, you know, shot count for what's appropriate for like a 13 to 15 year old old boy who's, who's going out to trying to like, you know, master their, their craft. We haven't come up with those numbers yet, but, but it, but it is really running rampant and it's something that the lacrosse community needs to be educated on because it can be like, you know, whilst, you know, bones heal quite well with time out, it's something that we see like happen once. And then it tends to happen like repetitively in the same athlete again and again, if it's not addressed well and it can really be a, a career killer and so is this repetitive stress this lumbar extension side bending rotation that goes into these this repetitive nature of shooting and shooting and shooting over again is that a, a form error that you're trying to train these athletes out of or is it is that actually just advantageous form but it's the rep, the, the high repetition the high volume that's really causing the issue here i think it's both again like that extension rotation side bending you're going to get the maximal amount of force in your wind up, so your backswing of, of golf, or your or again, like your layback in baseball. So as you get into that position, you know, when you're coming out with a lot of velocity, like the harder you go into that layback position or the harder you go back into that combined extension rotation pattern, you know, the, the better the velocity is going to be coming, like exiting the ball on the, on the other end. There is a benefit to, to doing that, which is going to increase your risk for injury, just like there is for so many different skills in sport but you're you're right in also saying there is a mechanics breakdown or there are other things that we can reduce an athlete's risk of of having those issues namely making sure that athlete has good 
hip mobility or, or lower body strength and then working in that lumbar and hip to trunk dissociation. So that's like a really big piece of going through the, the rehab plan and making sure that, you know, that player is not, a, you know, in two pieces. They're sort of like working in, in synchrony from the moment they like plant their back foot to their front foot to like their pelvic rotation and then, you know, follow through a trunk rotation. So yeah, I think those mechanical breakdowns can definitely be addressed and improved upon. And I think you see, you see it in the game as, as you watch, you know, some, some shooters have, you know, exit velocities of, of 100 miles plus an hour, but they seem to sort of do it with less effort than, than others. I mean, and that sounds a lot like, like you said, like baseball, golf, you know, some people can make it look effortless. Some people look like they're struggling. And I mean, this, it's the same kind of factors that you want to make sure you're taking into consideration. And so can you dive into your rehab for these athletes, especially when we're dealing with that low back pain that's stemming from that repetitive nature, that, that, that extension, side bending, rotation, and then the resulting force generation as these kids are shooting and shooting in such high volumes. How do you try to rehab these, these athletes? I mean, first, you, you would want to really make sure that the, the athlete has the prereq range of motion. So, you know, you need good thoracic rotation or lumbar thoracic rotation. You need good mobility there. And so what we find, like, mostly is that, especially in that adolescent or, like, growing boy, is that that is a huge, easy break, something that we see in a lot of them. The breakdown in terms of having that mobility is just just not not there. And it's interesting because, you know, I think you would expect it to be somewhat similar to baseball and that players that pitch a lot have increased, you know, changes in like bony morphology or like capsular changes where they get more external rotation or more rotation. It doesn't, I don't think I've seen it to be consistent that lacrosse players tend to have excessive amounts of, of lumbar or thoracic mobility. It tends to kind of like go in the opposite end for, for whatever reason. Maybe that's the morphology of, the joint itself, not, you know, not being, a, a, not supposed to being a highly like mobile joint. Mobility is available in the, in the upper, in the trunk itself. And then you would look at next would probably be that, that uh, the hip mobility. So when you plant or you push off of your back foot, you're in a closed chain position, but you're going to rotate on, off the back foot into an external position. The pelvis is going to rotate around the femur to create like relative external rotation. And then your front side mechanics is going to have a slight bit of um, external rotation, like opening the hip on the front side until the foot is planted into the ground. And then just like pitching, you're going to rotate over the top of that front front leg, which is going to create a uh, closed chain or relative like hip internal rotation. So an easy, another easy like mobility check is just to make sure that a player has the available external internal rotation on both feet for both sides of, of shooting. And so I think you can do that simple table test, but you could also do it in a closed chain position to see if they're like, you know, more specifically not able to like achieve that position. And then I think it's just about really like connecting the two on that, like what you were talking about in that lumbar or pelvic dissociation type issues. So there's like a million drills that you can do to do this. Firstly, we sort of make sure that they have good pelvic control in the sagittal plane. So just be able to do like a pelvic tilt supine or a cat cow or whatever it is but just to be able to control the pelvis and the sagittal plane before you kind of add that rotational piece in but to kind of give you a visual on, on how you can help you know train that pelvic rotation i think everybody sort of saw this that 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 Dak prescott like famously 
kind of does where he sort of pins the ball like to his chest and then basically swivels his hips towards the target. Um, and so we'll do something similar in lacrosse where basically like you can pin the, the upper trunk or like the, the thorax. You can even have them hold a stick and push it into a wall behind them so that the upper body is sort of fixed and then try to work on that pelvic rotation with the two feet on the ground. The player can really feel that it's, you know, this is the bottom up version of, of the rotational piece versus the top down where they're not cranking back into the layback position. You're sort of putting them in a comfortable extension, side bending, rotated position, and then having them move through the, the lower half. And so I think you can generate, you know, a lot more power. Your selling point right there to, to an athlete that you're rehabbing too is that, you know, this not only like makes you safer, but it's also going to change your, your shot speed by, you know, by a lot or make a relatively, sh- a relative shot less, less effort. And so once you've got that lower half pelvic rotation, you know, then you're just sort of stringing in different drills to help kind of transfer that rotation into shooting. So whether it be wall drills with uh, med ball, just like learning to like reintegrate going back into that layback position with, with a, a loaded ball or what we would call like a step down shot which is like a, a crow hop or, you know, a couple of quick side shuffle into your shot. That would be like probably similar again to uh, an outfielder fielding a ball and then taking a quick hop step into like pitching the ball, hard, uh, throwing the ball hard back, you know, to home base. You're going to get similar mechanics. So, you know, a little crow hop and then, it, and then, and then rotation with ball. So and there's a number of things that you can work through and cues you can work through to make sure that that player is sort of like, you know, getting their hips through before their trunk uncoils and things like that. And then basically, you know, it's like anything, you just sort of try to progress into the more specific motion of, of shooting. Okay. So, I mean, you kind of hit on it, but I just wanted to make sure that you covered everything you wanted to cover in like key aspects that you want to communicate that um, you'd love to see physical therapists integrate when they're rehabbing these lacrosse athletes. Yeah. In terms of the components, to a lacrosse player, I think it's super well-rounded sport. I think there's pieces that, it, you know, whilst its origins are much older than most modern-day sports, it pulls from a lot of modern-day sports, whether it be, you know, the change of direction and and the, like, creativity of basketball or the, the physicality that's similar to, to hockey or, like, those other positions, like, doing um, having wrestling like involved in them, like those kinds of things. I think it is a really well, well-rounded sport, but, you know, I think those three components we talked to in terms of like, like speed and power, like, um, and like strength, I think th- those, as long as, as long, as long as you cover all your bases right there, I think you're, you're pretty good. But, but as you also alluded to or mentioned earlier, I think it's so important, but I, I think this goes for, for every sport now. There are, are so many more positions that have been like, created in each sport or specialty positions that have been created in, in each sport, you know, having a close defender come in with a low back injury and then putting them in the box that this is going to be a high rotational issue like stress practice is not what they do. So I think it's really important to listen to the athlete and, you know, see what is stressful for them or what, what could be the cause of this rather than just say, oh, lacrosse play, it must be you know, spondy. This is fantastic. This is what you get when you take an athlete and you make them a PT. And now they're a washed up athlete PT <laughs> and they can teach us all about it. <laughs> Very washed up. Thank you so much for taking the time to share all of that knowledge. Thanks for having me.
I appreciate all of your time too. Once again, we want to thank Dr. Tim Stone for coming on to JOSPT Insights Sports Corner Series and really sharing his knowledge and his expertise about how best to rehab these lacrosse athletes. And as always, we want to thank you for listening to JOSPT Insights. Thanks for listening to this episode of JOSPT Insights. For more discussion of the issues in musculoskeletal rehabilitation that are relevant to your practice, subscribe to JOSPT Insights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, or your favourite podcast app. If you like JOSPT Insights, help others find us. Tell your friends and colleagues and rate and review us. To keep up to date with all the latest JOSPT content, be sure to follow us on Twitter, we're at JOSPT, and Facebook, where JOSPT official. Talk with you next time.